Good evening, everyone. We're going to try to get started here this evening, and do appreciate you being here this uh, afternoon. I don't know if I said it, and I don't want to forget about it, but I do appreciate all the work that's been done around, and the, the nursery, and the and the destruction of my desk. It's all been very good, and we do appreciate everybody uh, working and helping us with that. Um, We're Anybody wants that desk? Yes. Okay, so if you're wanting a cast iron desk, it'll, it'll last. All right. Let's try page 94. Page 94. I'm so glad I'm not living in this old world. Amen. Yeah.
Number 259, page 259, God holds the future in his hands. Okay, I've got a few. Won't it be wonderful there? 358. When with the Savior we enter the glory of that one. Yeah, that sounds good. Number 358, won't it be wonderful there?
I want to be there. Amen. Thank the Lord. Brother Robert, why don't you come receive the prayer, prayer request here this evening? Well, that's a shock. Um, never done this before. Um, I was thinking of something before we before we get into it. I just wanted to share something that I heard earlier today, and it was that the Lord sometimes uses our problems as a pathway to lead us to victory. Yes. Uh, I know that life can be hard. Yeah. We've all lived it. We all experience our circumstance, and sometimes it gets us down, and sometimes he's, he's not always right where you think he is, but he's always right there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just glad that no matter what, we have a Savior that we can lean on right. in times of need. Right. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are sick right now, and the Bible tells us by his stripes, we are healed. So... Bear that in mind tonight when you go in prayer and intercess for those that are not here. Your words are not in vain. They mean something. If not to you, they mean something to others. Do I have anything on my left side? Um, my mother-in-law called this afternoon and we have a lady back home her name is Barbara Gibson she had got pneumonia not COVID related and she's on the vent and the, the doctors aren't giving her much hope and then another um, family it's the Lockwood family um, the wife died two weeks ago COVID, and now the son passed away this morning mm-hmm. She's British. Huh? She's British. She's the one. Yeah. Sister Teresa. Lost okay. Anyone on my right? Mama, Daddy, and Kennedy, and Papa Nanny. Yes. Okay. Any unspoken? Raise your hands. I'm just kind of waiting for them. So let's remember Jackie and Zila. Zila's been uh, not feeling good, and so she's still not feeling good. So please continue to remember them in prayer. Uh, Ronnie and Jacqueline, um, which is Jackie's um, brother-in-law, is Ronnie. <clears throat> yeah, Jacqueline. I don't know why they. If you hear them call her, they'll call her Jackie, and then call him Jackie. It's like. So anyway, so remember them in prayer. Sister Heather uh, texts this morning on the group text. I don't know if y'all noticed it or not, but her mom is very sick. uh, And also, Sister Heather is not doing good. So please remember them. Jeff, uh, I know he's done requested it, but his granddaddy has still been sick. He run fever again last night, Teresa? I don't know about last night. Yeah, so he's still been running fever all this time for over 10 days. So hopefully and pray, prayerfully, he'll, he's coming out. Both him and Kathy. 
Yeah, and Kathy's not been doing well either, uh, sick-wise. So let's remember also Sister Hayslip. Uh, she's, she's been feeble and frail, so let's remember her in prayer. Please remember Teresa and myself. And uh, Diane Kicklider, let's remember her. Carrie and Darlene, let's remember them. I think uh, he's still having issues with his ears and it's just hard to get people back into church. So it's not that they're resistant or anything, but a lot of these folks, they, it's just tough to get back in. So let's remember these. Let's remember the church revival that's coming. Uh, starting not tomorrow, but the Monday yeah. after that. Let's remember that. And then uh, I don't know if some of you guys read up in the news, uh, but something that impacts me just from an emotional standpoint, uh, please pray for the country of Afghanistan. Uh, we've had a lot of people go over there and sacrifice their lives uh, to bring stability to that country. And unfortunately, the thing that we've been fighting for 19 plus years uh, seems to have taken hold and won that battle. But just pray that the, the people that gave everything didn't do it in vain. But the Lord will use this as an opportunity for something bigger and greater than us. Yeah, just in case you didn't understand, read between the lines there, Kabul, capital city, fell to the Taliban today. So, right. Come, let's pray.
what I want. I want the Holy Ghost flowing over me. Now maybe, maybe everyone else thinks differently. But uh, you remember that story about Philip? How that he was in one place at one moment and then within just another moment he was miles away somewhere else. Huh? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in things like that. <laughs> and I believe that uh, I, I'm looking forward to when we have those transfigured life. Amen. When God has made us the way we were supposed to be made. And uh, I don't think a lot of people think about all that, but you know, there's so much more that God's got for us than just what we see. And I appreciate all that He has done, all that He is doing. Uh, uh, Things do look rough, but on the other hand, it's exciting. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love adventure. Huh? And every once in a while, I like a little boring, but I get bored with that. So anyway, I, I like adventure. And so I do appreciate the Lord. This journey is an eventful one. And we just got to keep following Him and keep our eyes upon the Lord. Uh, Teresa, if you would be getting us a song. And uh, Brother Ricky, come on and receive our offering here tonight. several things that uh, I do appreciate the yards and like I said earlier also um, but where's my second window at? Uh, anyway uh, the yards really look good and the inside looking good and we got let, got a lot of pews that are gone Woo! getting more, more and more room and so uh, I was supposed to have someone to come and check out these windows this week, and I hadn't heard anything from them. You know, it's hard to get good help nowadays. But anyway, uh, so be praying. We, uh, we'd like to get as much fixed up as we can before the revival. Amen. All right, Sister Teresa.
appreciate them. And, um, you know, we need to shelter our children the best that we can. But there's only so much we can hide from them. And um, I don't know why I'm even going this direction talking like this. But anyway, I remember uh, um, some folks that were, you know, talking to Teresa and I and all. And, and you know, I, re- I just felt like I like to be around when they go through some of these tests and trials to try to help them through it. We're going to go through tests and trials. Can't grow them children in a in a closet. Can't do that. But we do need to be very very involved. Um, My father was born in uh, I think it was 1923, (laughs) and so. I said that to say this is that during that particular time when they raised children, children were to be seen and not heard. They didn't spend a lot of time with their children. And I, I spent a fair amount of time, I thought, with my dad, you know. But um, I wanted to spend more time with my children. But from generation to generation, though, Seem like your children always end up saying, I wish you'd spent more time with me. So Ryan, other ones that are in here got children, uh, spend all the time you can with them. Amen. Tell them about how God's changed you. Tell them the stories. Amen. We need these things so very much. Um, I asked Brother Dodd if he would preach for us here tonight, or actually I just told him to be ready. I don't think it's a matter of him being ready. I think it seemed like every time I call on him, he's ready for something. And so uh, anyway, we're going to get him to come and uh, obey the Lord here tonight. So let's just get in and see what God's got for us tonight. Amen. 
greetings to you again this evening. I don't know that I'm always ready. Sometimes that might look ready on the outside, but the inside is just kind of going to and fro, you know? But amen. Let's turn to the book of Acts tonight. Book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts, chapter 20. We start from verse 17. Read down to verse 24. Acts 20 and 17. And from Elias he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, You know... From the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lame, lying in the way of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, and now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Brother Butler, would you pray for the message, please? Dear Jesus, we do thank you and we praise you, O oh God, for the leading of the Holy Ghost and the directing of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that just as it is recorded in the book of Acts, Lord, you're able to lead us here tonight. I pray, Lord, would you bless, anoint Brother Jonah, move for him tonight and bring forth the word that we need for our souls. Help us to draw closer unto you. We pray in Jesus' holy and righteous and wonderful name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. We have Paul given a, given a charge to the church. It concludes, at least in my mind, it concludes this thought here in verse uh, 22 through 24. He says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He's going there because he's, he's led of God, just as Abraham was being led to a country that he knew not of. We see the Apostle Paul was being led, not knowing the things that shall befall him there, except this one thing, that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. And we know it's interesting how today that no doubt if, if somebody was to get prophesied over and, and, and said, thus said the Lord that bonds and afflictions shall abide you if you do thus and thus, most people today would run from that. Most people today would say, well, it's not the will of God for me to suffer and it's not the will of God for, for me to go through those difficult things. So surely I must have missed it or I must change my course of direction. But we don't see that Paul did these things. He said, the Holy Ghost witness in every 
city, in every place that I stopped, in every place that I preached, in every place that I broke bread. He said the Holy Ghost, he witnesses in every city, through every elder, through every believer, through every church, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But he said, none of these things bother me. None of these things move me. And neither count I my life dear unto myself. But this one thing, this one thing do I look forward to. This one thing is important to me. This one thing do I embrace and I grab a hold of. And he said, that one thing, well, that I might finish my course, that I might run this race with patience, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, but that I might also testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was saying this one thing do I count dear unto me that I might be found faithful when I stand before him. When I stand before him and the Lord Jesus looks, he says, I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things, and I'm going to make you ruler over many. This is what Paul was saying. Therefore, let the winds come. Let the waves come. Let the storms of affliction come. Let them persecute me. Let them lock me up. Let them do what they may do. But I have one goal in this life, and that is to be found faithful in everything that God lays in my path. That I'm found faithful, and Jesus Christ will lead me all the way. This was his mind and his heart. The gospel of the grace of God. That's what we're talking about tonight. What does that mean to you? What does grace mean to you? Often in our holiness circles, we have been uh, accused of not being a people of grace. We've been accused of not preaching grace because it's a reaction toward the Baptists where they say grace is just, you know, a license to sin or a ticket to do anything you want to. And we make up these nice little uh, wordings where it's, uh, uh, what does it say, uh, God's redemptive act at Christ's expense. And those things are neat and they're cute and they make nice t shirts, but those things don't really do anything for the heart of the individual. Those things don't do anything to the life of the believer. So I want to look inside the old covenant and the new covenant and try to bring you to a place to where the gospel of the grace of God should mean in your life. The word grace is mentioned 37 times in the old covenant. Genesis 6 and 8 gives us an example of how it was typically used. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was a certain uh, creation had drawn wicked in this daytime. God had went in and made Noah and Adam and Eve, excuse me, made all the, the creatures of the earth. And we find that as time goes on, those men and women since the fall of sin, they continue to grow more wicked and more wicked and more wicked. And we see God got so discouraged with it all. He got so upset with it all. Finally one day he said, I'm just going to destroy the whole earth. I'm going to consume it with water. And let everything be, be changed for his glory and for his purpose. But somehow in that process, we see that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's a mindset where somebody has found grace. It's kind of like a a little child that he got in trouble. He got his hand stuck inside the cookie jar and there comes 
mom around the corner. He's got the cookie in hand. There's no way he can get around it. There's no way he can lie his way out of this one. But yet for some reason, mama reaches over and pulls his hand out of that cookie jar, puts the cookie back in, and she does not spank him. Said that little child found grace in the eyes of mama. This is the mindset that the Old Testament gives. It always gives us the thought we're found for we have found the found grace in the sight of someone else. It never gives us the thought that grace is something we can possess or something we should maintain in the life of the individual. But it always seems to withhold some type of punishment or some type of judgment. The Hebrew word is chin, C-H-E-N, and it means kindness, favor, beauty, pleasant, and precious. The last time this word is used of the 37 times is found in Zechariah 12 and 10. And it says, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The scripture here speaks at the close of the Old Testament. It begins to change the mindset of what grace should mean. It speaks of a time where no longer it is withholding judgment, but now he talks about a time where the spirit of grace is to rest upon the people of God. From this point forward, grace changes. From this point forward, it's more than just finding favor. It's more than just unmerited favor. In the Old Testament, they found grace through someone. In the New Testament, we still find grace through someone. But now this grace begins to rest upon those people. The word grace in the New Covenant is mentioned 155 times in the New Testament. The word used here is cherish. And it means grace or graciousness, kindness, goodwill, a gift, a favor, thanks, and gratitude. Now the first and second time is mentioned in Luke 2 and 40 and Luke 1, 14 and 17. Now look here at Luke 2, 40. The first time just mentioned after the close of the Old Testament, Zechariah talks about the spirit of grace that rest upon the people of God. The New Testament opens up with Luke and it says this, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. We go on the second time. Is mentioned. John 1, 14 and 17 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness to this and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me, and of His fullness have we all received. And grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Yes. This child, this little, little boy, waxed strong in the spirit, the Bible says. Yes. He would go into the temple. And I can imagine at three and four and five and six, he sat there and he consumed everything he could. He could he could separate the right from the wrong. He could embrace the holy from the unholy. And he sat there and learned and gleaned. And like a, a dry sponge 
thrown into a lake. He absorbed everything that the Father had for him. I can only imagine many times he longed to stand up and rebuke those that were out of order. Many times he wanted to stand up and maybe shout amen to those that were saying right things. But yet he held his peace. And he held his peace to the point around 12 years old. We find him contending with the leaders and they're scratching their head wondering where this man get this started from? Who is this child? Who is this young boy? Who is his father? Who is his mother? They scratched their head because the grace of God was upon him unlike the men of old. Unlike the prophets of old. They seen it. They read of it. But now they see it face to face where God's grace had come upon the man. They didn't understand it. But yet they drew do him. Yes. And then we see it says, and a full man, and a man full of power, full of the anointing, full of boldness, full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. John bear witness said, This is he of whom I spake. Yes. He that cometh after me. Is preferred before me. Right. For he was before me. Right. Yes. Now listen. John says that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Yes. It gives us the mindset and as a cup that you just continue to pour. It comes to the bottom, to the middle, to the top, and it overflows. And you continue to pour that water in that cup, and it overflows. He is full of grace and truth to the point where he, he becomes the, the, the living desire. He becomes a supply of any grace and truth that you might need. And that's what he says, of his fullness. Of his fullness have you received tonight. Because he was full of grace. Because he was full of truth. You, beloved, you, my brother, you, my sister, have found that grace. Out of his fullness have we received grace for grace. Because the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's right. The old covenant, they found grace in the sight of someone. The new covenant, we find the grace that is to be within the believer. The old covenant produced the law of Moses. But the new covenant produced the law that is written upon the tables of our heart. Now understand, the law didn't get any easier. We see there in Matthew, Matthew 5. We see where Jesus begins to give us. Uh, a popular sermon on the mount. He begins to say things like in Matthew 5 and 21. He says, Ye have heard it that is from by him of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. He says, The law says, Thou shalt not kill. But then he goes on the next verse, But I say unto you that grace is stepping on the sea now. He says, I say unto you that whosoever is hangry with his brother or sister without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. And he goes on the next five, six, and seventh chapter, and he begins to give those comparisons. He says the law is right here. But beloved, grace is another step high. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery, but grace says, if a man look upon a woman and lust inside of his heart, he commits adultery. Grace was right here, or the law was right here. 
and they struggled and they fought for the Lord and to find their uh, place of perfection inside the law. They go, they lay the sacrifices, they spill the blood, and they walk away still a man and one that's undone and without God and without Christ. And now Jesus Christ comes upon the scene. He doesn't do away with the law, but beloved, he raises the standard. Raising the standard. Yeah. Come on, Lord, give me a break here. Uh, if I couldn't do it in the old covenant, why are you going to make it harder for me? The old covenant produced a grace that was available by the mercy of others. The new covenant produces a grace that enables the believer to live above sin. This grace enables you to live above despair. This grace enables you to live above your difficulties. This grace enables you to say, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. I can do all things through Jesus' blood. I can do all things because he enables me and he protects me and he guides me and he leads me Therefore, we can say, let the world, let the world and all the hosts come against me. God is my help. Who shall come against me? That's right. That's right. This is the difference. Listen, as we understand that promise in reality, listen to these scriptures in the book of Acts. This is how that new early church began to live in regards to this grace. Acts 4 and 33 says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Acts 11 and 23 says, Who when he came had seen, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. Acts 13 and 43 says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious prophets, proselytes, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Acts 20 and 24 says, but none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I receive the Lord to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Acts 20 and 32 says, and now brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. This was that standard. This is what Peter preached. This is what fell upon the day of Pentecost. It's how those believers could walk and get upon that street corner and preach everything within them. Be locked up one night and they get released the next and go right back out to that street corner and say, I shall preach the gospel of Christ whether I'm in bounds or whether I'm free. Whether I have everything or whether I have nothing, I will preach him and his word. Disgrace. was something different than what they had experienced from this point forward. And I don't take away the baptism by any means. It's all wrapped up in there together. That's right. Right. 
So if this was the standard that Jesus laid out before us, what does grace do for us today? Right here in 2021, when COVID's raging, in 2021, when your job is insecure, or 2021, where it seems like the government wants to come and knock on your door and make you do things your convictions tell you not to. In 2021, when it seems all the world has forsaken Christ, and it seems somehow, somewhere, though you may not be able to see, it seems the Antichrist is a seen up upon his throne. He's about ready to change everything. He's about ready to tear down the temples. He's ready to tear down the mosques. He's ready to tear down the churches. Anything that speaks the name of Christ, I don't believe he cares whether it's holy or unholy. He wants to rid the world of this man, Jesus. He wants to take everything and destroy it because he knows that his day is coming. He knows that his time is short. And he knows that God's people, if the sinner and seek the life, will tap into his grace. But I mean, he knows all things are possible to heal that believer. Yes. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access to we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. Right. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. And knowing tribulation work with patience, patient experience, experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Yes. Access. We all got an access card. Access to our bank account. I have access, little father, to your vehicle. Access to your to your home. Access to a safe if you got a safe. If you're married, you have access to your spouse's heart. We all understand what access is. Access gives me the ability and the privilege to access something that other people cannot. And sometimes maybe it's just I'm the only one that can access that. I'm the only one that can access my wife's heart. And she's the only one that can access my heart. Because our hearts are bound together. And let me tell you, young couples, if you give your heart to anything else, you are deceiving your own selves. If you give your heart to the things of this world, to a better friend, whether she be boy or girl, if you give your mind and your heart to somebody else besides your husband and wife, you are setting yourself up for trouble. We have access. Those accesses is a key, is a fobbing, is a commitment. But we have access by what? Faith. Access by faith into this big room of grace. Yes. This room that we've never really felt before. We were once were lost, but now we're found. We stepped out of darkness into light. And yeah, we might be holy and praise God. We've got all the standards down on path. And I'll just be honest with you. I was full of grace. God was pouring out his grace upon me before I ever got the Holy Ghost. Before I ever stepped into this room of, of holiness and righteousness and standards. And I believe it. I love it. I preach it. I teach it. I believe it's expected from every man, 
calling boy and girl that names the name of Christ. But let us before those things. When we come inside this house, he said, I've given you access to all the grace that you'll ever need. But you must access it by faith. By faith. You know, the substance, the substance, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, it says, in, uh, or in Hebrews, it talks about how God framed the world yes. with something that was not seen. Right. He didn't start off with a bunch of two by fours and sixes and eights and tens. He didn't have a bag of nails. He didn't have a hammer. He didn't have a password or any other. He didn't have a level, brother. All he had was his mind and his heart and a faith that he was able to create the things in which we have right now. And we see Paul wrote to the church of Rome. He says, by whom ye have access into this grace where you stand. And therefore we rejoice of the glory of God. But not only do we rejoice because we have this faith. We glory in tribulation. We glory in tribulation. Right here's the crossroads where many of you find yourself at. Crossroads. Tribulation. Here I am. Praising God. Amazing grace. How sweet. The world is this. Trial and tribulation. And difficulty. I don't know. Do I go back? Do I keep going forward? Let's lean to the left or to the right a little bit. It's a crossroad. We glory in our tribulation. We glory in our difficulties. We glory in those things that seem to grab a hold of us and steal our walk with God. Steal our song of Zion. It's like we find ourselves sitting there on the rivers of Babylon. We took our heart, we hang it upon the willows, and we say, I can't sing the songs of Zion any longer because Egypt has got a hold of our heart. Babylon has got a hold of our heart. And we wonder, why do I find myself in this crossroad? But if you're in this crossroad, because God wants you to tap in faith. God wants you to get inside the household of grace that you may experience and witness His power. Just like you said tonight, these difficulties allow the power of God doesn't justify some of our failures. Doesn't justify some of our sin. But he uses those things. Not only we glory in tribulations. Tribulations. Works patience. Patience. Gives experience. Experience. Brings hope. Hope. Makes me not ashamed. Right. You know what that means? Let me just break it right down. So here we are, walking, loving Jesus, seeing amazing grace. Bam! Here we are going through the valley of the shadow of death. But we hadn't lost our song. Here we go walking through difficulties. But we hadn't lost our song. We're not looking back because we know the armor of God gives no protection for our backside. Therefore we fight. Therefore we press. And we see the left and right, but we keep on striving forward because Jesus Christ is before us. We see a footpath. We see a way. We see a line, a path that's guiding us and directing us. And we realize that Jesus Christ has made the way before us. Therefore, we'll walk through the battle. Therefore, we'll fight through the difficulties. Therefore, we'll pierce through the bushes and the briars. 
individuals. And what we find in that gives us patience. Patiently waiting for God's redemption. Patiently waiting for God's grace to be poured out upon us. We access it by faith. 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 And then one day, the door is open. Yeah. And it don't matter. It's like that old picture probably a lot of you seen. Lighthouse in the midst of the ocean. And the waves are higher than the White House. And there's a man at the lighthouse. And there's a man just standing in the sea. He's protected by the lighthouse. He doesn't fear the thunder. He doesn't fear the lightning. He doesn't fear the difficulties because he knows this lighthouse has been proven by storm and storm again. And beloved, I'm telling you tonight, I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care if you're going through the trials of Job. I don't care if you have the difficulties of whoever. There's no trial. There's no storm that Jesus Christ has not weathered. And His grace gives us more faith. Endures us with patience. And through time, we look back in the storms back there. Right. And we're walking in victory. Right. Patience gives us experience. We can look back. We can tell those young children, let me tell you about the time I fought with God. Yeah. Let me tell you about the time that God delivered me. Let me tell you about the time that God was an ever very, an ever very present help in my time of trouble. And those experiences, they work inside our heart. We think of those things and recall those things to our mind. We're thankful for those things. And those things bring forth a hope. Not only a hope of a resurrection, but a love and a hope. And when we go through that next difficulty, when we find ourselves once again singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and bam, there's that difficulty. But a love we don't begin to fret and we don't begin to fear. But we recall to our mind the experiences of yesterday, the experience of times gone by, the experiences of what God has wrought inside our life, and therefore we keep pressing. Though the wind continues to blow, though the lightning continues to flash, though the thunder continues to roll, we continue to press because these tribulations brought experience, that experience has brought hope, and that hope has made me not ashamed. Therefore, I will stand. Yes. Therefore, yes. Paul said, I will stand. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 1 Timothy 1 and 14 says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul is echoing the words of his uh, teacher. And it shows us by these two scriptures that faith and grace make an inseparable union. By faith, we accept grace. Yes. And by faith, the grace is in effect. 
Romans 12 and 6 and Ephesians 4 and 7 says, speak of different, speaks of different levels of grace. So, uh, 2 Timothy 2 and 1, 2 Peter 3 and 18 tells us that we can be weak or strong in this grace. Acts 11 and 23 and 13 and 43 tells us that Christians were to experience this grace. Romans 1 and 5 tells us this grace helps us to be obedient. Romans 3 and 24 says this grace, it will freely justify you. I don't care how wicked you been, how don't care how nasty you been, how don't care how dirty you been, I don't care how religious you been, I don't care you've been in the church all your life and you never stole a piece of bubble gum, beloved, you are unclean in the sight of God. You are dirty, you are filthy, and you need a cleanser. You need somebody to wash your sins away. You need somebody to purify and sanctify everything in your heart and mind. This grace does just that. Freely justifies us. Yes. Romans 5, 19 and 21 says, For by as one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That a sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul continues to tell them in Romans chapter 5. He says, by one man, by the disobedience of Adam, many were made sinners. And therefore, by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, many shall be made righteous. He said, moreover, he said, the law entered. The law came into effect. God gave the law to Moses, but that the law would bring forth that the offense might abound, that sin may be exceedingly sinful, that you may understand what thou shalt not steal means. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lust. The law came that we might recognize that our carnal man is ruling and reigning inside of our life and beloved, except there be a Savior. We are all men without hope, except there be one that can not only save, but can sanctify and give us His sweet spirit. We are all men without hope. So the plan of God after the fall of man gave the law to the people of earth that they might realize they were lost and undone and without hope. And the law continued year after year that nobody could fulfill it. Sincere men, honest men, and men after God's own heart could not fulfill it. Right. They found themselves turning with their heads dropped, no doubt, saying, Oh, woe unto me, a sinner. No relief, no, no sanctifying work, no power over their flesh, no anointing upon their life. But where sin abounded, and this is where sin abounded, right here. All of mankind. Sad to say, even amongst his people for the most yeah, part. That's right. Did you realize that uh, after there was, there was three, uh, three kings? You had Saul, 
And you had David and you had Solomon. After that point, we see where the kingdom split. You had the nation of Israel and you had the nation of Judah. At that point, after Solomon, I forget who was the first king of Israel. But from that point to the destruction, there was not one godly king. Not one. I'll challenge you on that. Not one godly king. <laughs> Judah, therefore, had three or four. <laughs> Could you imagine? The nation of Israel. Where God split the sea. Yeah. We did all the mighty wondrous works. And yet, they continued. To walk away. Sin abounded. Sin abounded. And then grace did much more abound. Now Jesus comes upon the scene where sin is controlling everything and everybody. Sin continues just just works in the heart of man, tears down the heart of man, destroys relationships, destroys family, destroys children. It's just a, it's an ugly, awful sight where Jesus Christ steps upon this scene to the point to where Jesus Christ and God's own son in the likeness of sinful flesh came amongst them, trying to help them, trying to work with them, trying to create many miracles with them, but yet we see they crucified the Son of God. What they did not know is that that was God's plan. When they crucified the Son of God, the grace of God was able to be poured out upon every man and woman that would cling to the cross of Calvary. The grace of God was able to say, Hey, Lord, I can do all things. I am a Christian, and therefore I can do all things, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the broken heart, regardless of the hard times. I can do all things. Because grace did much more abound. That's right. If sin abounded to bring everybody to the place of death, and grace is much more abounding. The natural fruit of, uh, of a Christian in a life of grace is without sin. Right. We don't have to sin. No, we don't. Sin is a choice. That's right. I'm not saying you won't sin. I'm saying you don't have to sin. Right. That's right. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm saying you can overcome your temptations. That's right. I'm not saying there won't be difficulties. I'm saying you can walk right through that thing. You can say, God before me, who can be against me? You can sit there and say, Devil, you can go ahead and take me on you won't, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to look there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be that. I'm born of the blood of Jesus Christ, and he has made provision for me. He has given me the ability to do all things. He's given me the ability to walk in this grace. He's given me the ability to access this grace by faith. And therefore, instead of walking in sin, I'm going to walk in holiness. Walking in sin, I'm going to walk in truth. Instead of walking in sin, I'm going to walk in life that shines upon my path because I can, because He lets me, because He made it available, because He allows me to be more than a conqueror. That's right. Yes, thank you, Lord. We've all loved to be just a conqueror with a little 
this zeal and desire to, to win. It's fine to a certain level. Right. Look into that. Flipping through the news this afternoon. I didn't read the whole article, but to these grown men. <clears throat> Some sports team, I don't know what it was, football, baseball, one of them. I don't even know what happened. It ended up in a brawl. Slugfest. Probably because it's competitive. I didn't like your team, you didn't like my team. They wanted to be on top. They wanted to be a conqueror. Are you a conqueror tonight? Not only a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. Above being conquered. Yes. A conqueror can be conquered. But more than a conqueror, he can be conquered. But it's not within us. It's accessing that grace. Grace did much more abound. That a sin hath reigned in the Old Testament unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Tell me what sin that you struggle with is greater than the grace of God. What difficulty do you have that's greater than the grace of God? What difficulty do you have, beloved, that you just say, I just can't. Well, I tell you what, I can't never do nothing. And I won't never do nothing. But, beloved, you need to change your mindset and get a hold of God and realize that you can. You can. You can do all things. You can be more than a conqueror. You can be that individual that God has called you to be. You can be that husband. You can be that wife. You can be that Christian. You can be that man of God. You can stand flat-footed and preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ and not be afraid of what this world may throw at you. That's right. You just don't understand. I wasn't raised this way. I mean, either. You don't understand. I didn't help me neither. You don't understand. I, I, I've been drugs and alcohol messed up my mind. Me too. Yeah. I know what it's like yeah. run away from home. I know what it's like have no place to lay my head because all my friends forsook me because they're afraid to get shot by the wall. I know what it's like to find an empty storage building and open that thing up and lay my head on a cold concrete slab and that's the only place I can hide and find a place to rest tonight. I know what it's like to lay there and be so hungry that even the worst foods I despised at that point it was broccoli. I'd even eat a, a head of broccoli if I had. I'd understand those things. I've been there and I've done that for the love of through the grace of God and God's grace is able to overcome those things and therefore I am born in a conqueror through his blood, through his power and through the Holy Ghost what sin is greater than God's grace Romans 6 and 1 says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid. This grace. Hear me tonight. This grace that you can tap 
every emotion, every sin, every difficulty. We was uh, up north somewhere with another brother. And this guy was just kind of rambling on. I'm all for it, you know. Somebody's got something to say, say it, you know. Yeah. This guy was just like, what is he doing? Let's get on with the meeting. And after service, we uh, drove a restaurant or somewhere, I don't remember where. And he brought that up. And he said something about, well, you know, maybe it's the Holy Ghost. I said, well, you know what I think about that? I said, the scripture says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Yeah. Therefore, he can shut up anything he wants to do. The spirit of the prophet yeah. is subject to the prophet. He's greater. God is greater than anything we can even think. We have no reason to be cast down. Romans 6 and 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion. You shall not be a prisoner. You shall not be held captive in Egypt. You shall not sit upon the rivers of Babylon. You shall not be under dominion because you are not no longer under the law, but you are under grace. And grace says, I can. I talked to many of up there in Savannah working with some of those college kids and they walk around that store I can't do that. I can't do that. So why can't you do it? Well, I don't know. I said, well, aren't you a Christian? Well, so yeah. Well, if you're a Christian, then you can do all things. You just need to understand what to do. You need to understand how to do it. Don't say I can because I can't never do nothing. But beloved, I can do it. There's enough information across this world that there's no reason, especially outside the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no reason that we can't say I can do it. I can do it. I can by the grace of God. My heart's desire and my one commitment is to fulfill the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I can go through everything he brings my way. That's right. That's right. That's right. 2 Corinthians 8 7 says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, as you abound in some things, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound also in this grace. Abound in this grace. Paul exhorts us to abound in this grace. He gives us the thought like this grace is is the life of the believer. And if we abound in this grace, Titus says that this grace will teach us. Yeah. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's what we usually see. You know, we get a nice little cute little Christmas card. It's got the nativity scene on the front. And maybe, you know, Titus 2.11, dot, dot, dot. For the grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And we all like, they, they take a pen knife and take the rest of that.
that scripture out, teaching us the grace of God hath bringing salvation to all men, hath appeared to all men, but he has appeared that he might teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Not to wait for the millennium, not to wait till we meet him face to face, be holy and godly and righteous right here, right now, in 2021, and say, I shall live above sin. I can because he allows me to. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not in yourselves, but it is the gift of God. The gift of God. Lest any man should boast. We all have gifts, don't we? Even bad gifts sometimes. It's a thought of here, it's a fault that counts. It's a gift of God. It's like his own nasty, sweaty hanky. Brother Otis, if this was the grace of God, God say, hey, you want this? You got to feel less than that love scene. You walk victorious. You can be more than a conqueror. In fact, you can do all things in my name. All you got to do is tap into it. My faith. The prophets of old, they longed for this day. The kings of old, they longed. They saw. They wrote of it. They prayed for it. They sang of it. But they did not yet experience it. This time where God's grace is so real, where God's grace is so abundant, it's like a, a mega warehouse that's just full. And it's got a bunch of buildings. It's got a bunch of doors. One, two, three, four, five. And you grab your access. And it says 355,211. And you go and you find your number. And you take it lock and you open it up, you ain't got to worry about the key fitting. It don't matter if it's rusty or corroded. I believe, beloved, that key of faith it'll operate. You slide inside that lock and you turn that door open and you win a whole bunch of faith. A whole lot of faith that allows you to say I never experienced such freedom. I never experienced such power. I never experienced such desire to be one with God. Colossians 1 and 6 says, brings forth true fruit, this grace. Colossians 3 and 16 tells us to sing of this grace in our hearts. Colossians 4 and 6 says, it teaches us how to answer every man. Hebrews 2 and 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death. For every man. This grace allows us not to fear death. That's right. Matter of fact, we welcome death. Yeah. As Paul said there, I'm not afraid. Bonds and prisons. I want to be faithful. And he lay there, history says, I never 
verified it. But history says when his time came and his day was numbered, and the old guy out there with a black hood and a sharp axe was about to take his head off, history says that he ran to the chopping yes. block. He right. ran, and they didn't have to force him. They didn't have to push him down. He willfully bowed his knee. It's like he bowed it every day and prayed. He laid his head upon that chopping block. And I can only imagine, I don't know what song he was singing back then, but I can only imagine as he laid that head down and he looked up at that big old man with the axe and he began to sing, Amazing Grace. And that old fellow began to look at him and he realized, this is in my thinking, he realized that this was an innocent man. This is a holy man. I have to believe that God's spirit began to work on that man. Even as he came and laid that blade to his neck, Jesus, Paul looked at Jesus. Paul was not afraid of death. Paul welcomed death because he knew what would happen on the other side of God. And therefore, all these things said, Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and we may find grace. For what? To help in your time of need. Exclamation point. Jesus Christ, he died upon the cross. He spilled his blood that the grace of God could abound inside the heart of the believer. Beloved, do you need this grace? Do you need to be partakers of this grace? Do you need this grace to run inside your heart and inside your mind? Beloved, he said, come boldly. He didn't say, come sheepishly. He didn't say, come unbelieving. But he said, come expecting. He said, come believing. Come with your key in hand. Find your door and say, yeah, Lord, this is my door. This is my night. This is my time. Unlock that door, beloved, by faith and say, yeah, God, I shall be more than a conqueror. Yeah, Lord, I shall do all things. I shall allow this besetting sin, this weight that's tied about my ankles to be cut asunder, never more to hinder me. And in 1 Corinthians 9 and 8, it says, For God is able to make all, everything, all grace abound toward you. Right. I don't know how much all grace is, brother, brother, but it must be a lot. It is. It must be more than my difficulties. It must be more than my circumstances. Yes. It must be more than my trials. That's right. It must be more than my hurts. That's right. It must be more than my sins. Right. It must be more than my mind can even comprehend. Yes. Because he said that God is able. Not only God is able. That's basically saying, brother, that God will. God wants to. God's sitting there with a big old pile of grace. Looking down upon us here in Landmark Holiness Church. And he sees every heart. Every individual. Every hurt and every difficulty. And he's looking at who wants my grace tonight? I've got plenty of grace. I 
back to that cookie jar and gets his hand caught and he knows he shouldn't be stealing a cookie. And he sees mom and daddy around the corner and he's, what do I do? And we spank him for disobedience, not because of the cookie, but for disobedience. How much are we guilty? More so than the child stealing a cookie. Mm -hmm. When Jesus has said, you don't have to sin. Right. You can't run this race with patience. That's right. That's right. You can't be victorious. You can't stand above the crowd. Yes. You can't push against the resistance. You can't yeah. be holy. Yeah. It's no wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient in need. My grace, not your grace, not your abilities, not your gifts, not your charisma, but my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will gladly, I will gladly glory in all of my infirmities. Glory in your infirmities, beloved, because in your infirmities, he said, the power of Christ may rest upon you. And he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. Hebrews 4 16 again. Tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and help in our time of need. You know, chickens are a pretty amazing little creature. Even the ones outside the freezer. Yeah. <clears throat> the mother hen will protect her chicks regardless of the danger. They communicate to their baby chicks through different sounds as soon as that little chick is hatched and begins to chirp. This is where they begin to establish their communication. Quiet clucks are signs of contentment and soothing. They make a sound to tell the chicks to come and eat. A loud, excited cluck or for the announcing of laying of an egg, egg or the protesting of a rooster. Squawking or screeching sounds are for times for being alarmed. They'll make a burring sound to tell others of danger. When danger is present, these chickens will run under their mama's wings for protection. And that mama says she'll stay there and protect them through the wind and through the rain and through the heat and through the snow and so forth. This hen will be unmovable to protect her chicks regardless of the danger. Listen to this story. A group of young college students were 
helping measure range damage after a wildfire raged across the prairie outside the university town. As they walked over the expanse of blackened earth, they noticed a cluster of small, smoldering mounds. One of the volunteers was particularly interested in the unidentifiable heap and asked one of the more experienced range managers what they were. This veteran of many range fires replied, replied that he had seen this phenomenon on a few occasions and suggested that the young man turn over one of the piles. He did. To his great surprise, several sage grouse chicks ran out from under the upturned mound. He was fascinated. How incredible! He thought that these little chicks had known to find and, under, and, and run underneath this mysterious shelter. The young man asked what the mound was and how the chicks knew to take refuge there. To his amazement, he was told that the smoldering heap was the remains of their mother. When there is danger, the mother hen instinctively calls out to her young one and stretches out her wings to run under them to find protection in her embrace. The young man was profoundly moved by this symbol of her mother's love and protection. Jesus tells us, Matthew 23 and 37, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicken under her wings, and ye would not. Stand your feet tonight. Jesus was a mother hen to the people of Jerusalem. Somebody come to the piano, please. And he says to you tonight, <clears throat> Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. There is grace for you today. There is grace for you tonight. Jesus is calling. Jesus is whispering. Jesus is saying how often would I have gathered my children together as that mother hen gathers her chickens under 